0: That was killer. Good job, Mark. I've never seen Mark use less time than he needed. That That's good. That's an anointing everyone wants me to have, but it ain't going to happen. Uh, so we'll tag his three minutes onto mine. And so now I only preach for three hours and three minutes. So I hope you guys are excited. I hope you guys are ready to talk about peace. Um, so fun fact, really quick, before we even start this off, um, I I've been studying, and I went into the Bible thinking joy was one thing and peace was another. And and as I kind of began to study the entirety of the Bible and that word peace and joy in context, and most times when people are saying, man, I just need peace right now, they actually mean joy. And so I think that in our context, in our culture, those words have gotten so flipped around. So let me define that really quick, really, really quickly so we can go. Uh, Peace is... Because I totally messed up and lied to you guys. So that note you just wrote was wrong. Joy is an internal response. (laughs) Peace is an external response. And here's what I mean. Uh, When the Bible says peace, it's saying you and God are no longer enemies. Because you're at peace with God. You're not at joy with God. But the Bible would say the joy of the Lord is your strength. Right. And so when the Bible calls Jesus the prince of peace, what it's saying is he's the prince who's going to come and bring you in unity with God. But when the Bible says the joy, but for the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. It was it was an internal thing. See, people often preach that it was love that held God to the cross, but the Bible tells us it was joy that held God to a cross. And what I'm really excited to get into that, because what joy is, is something in me that is unshaking, no matter what's going on on the outside. And peace is, no matter what's going on on the inside, because God has made me right with him, I'll be able to stay right, right? And so, let's not confuse the topics, but next week I'm going to dive in on the topic of peace, and so I don't want to, like, spoil the whole message now, um, and then be like, oh, I didn't talk about joy at all. Uh, so when we're talking about joy today, we're going to talk about an internal, what we would typically call peace, right? Oh, the storm's on the inside, I need peace right now. Well, the Bible would say that's actually joy. And joy is when I, when the waves, and it's actually the biblical definition of joy. And we'll have a lot of fun going into that because I got Bible verses, and that's always important. Um, So really, really quickly, um, about two, three weeks ago, I don't remember which, we talked on depression and we talked on anxiety. Um, And and a lot of that topic and a lot of that sermon is actually really applicable to today because it's almost the same sermon I have to preach now that we're talking about joy. Um, But I want to tell you something that if you struggle with maybe not feeling good enough or maybe not feeling right with God or maybe feeling like a mess up or maybe having that depression or having anxiety, uh, the, the, uh, the life rate in America has lowered. It's been consistently getting higher every year. And just recently, for the first time in a long time, life expectancy in America went down two years. And they point it to two reasons. One is heroin overdoses, and two is suicide. They're happening so frequently in such a young group of people that actually the national average of survival is lowering because of those two epidemics. And both of those trace back oftentimes to a lack of joy. Speaking as someone who is off of heroin, I found that because I was seeking some kind of escape from the life that I was living. That's where it all began. That and peer pressure, but that never preaches. Um, But the same with suicide. Again, last time I talked on this, I would never look to someone and say, if you commit suicide, automatically you're in hell. I would never say that because I don't know the context of everyone's life and their situation. But what I will say is there is a distinct lack of joy that causes that situation to... Expound, And so I want to talk about joy, talk about the fact that God gives that to us. He gives it to us by the nature of the fact that he gave us his Holy Spirit. And when the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength, it's not some external thing. It's the fact that when I'm weak, the thing that's going to make me strong is already in me. And I'm going to be okay. Joy. So when I was, the next was joy. I believe God's promises. I'm so focused on the things of God that no matter what's happening in my life, I'm consistent. Do you remember when the disciples were on a boat and the waves started going? And they stopped looking to Jesus and they looked to the issue. And they screamed to Jesus, we're going to die. And he says, where's your faith? Where's your joy? Why can't you be strong when the storm hits? Depression and anxiety and a lack of joy is very common in the Bible. We go to David, who says, Lord, I weep until my bones are weak. And we go to Job. <laughs> who jo- Job basically just tells God, I want to die. We see Jeremiah, and Jeremiah says, God, I curse the day of my birth. Elijah goes before the Lord and says, kill me now, I'm done. And the Lord says, come out of this cave. And he says, no, kill me, I'm not leaving. It's all over the Bible. Depression is so real in the Bible, and the heroes that we look to the most, it's like, oh, you're, you're a man of God. You're like a David. That's like one of the most famous prophecies in any church. If you go to a church and they believe in laying on the hands of praying, you've been told you're David at least twice that day, right? And, and that guy that everyone's like, you're a David, you're a, you're a shaker of mountains, a Moses straight, said God struggled with depression throughout their lives. David is one of the most emotional people you will ever read about in the entirety of scripture. We, we make fun of Peter saying this guy always has his foot in his mouth. Yo, David's foot stayed in his mouth. That's why every other psalm is, God, I repent, right? Oh, God, you're good we're with you. I can jump over a wall. Oh, God, whoa, what is happening to me right now? I stubbed my toe on the way to church, and where were you for that? I'm going to write a psalm about it. And I know those people, right? So some of y'all have like 10 songs in your back pocket. You're like, I'm going to pull it out right now. Or, or a spoken word, right? Um, <laughs> and it's okay. You're in good company because Jesus did say that from the tribe of Judah, from David comes the Messiah. So sometimes our emotionalism and our lack of joy, it's not going to stop us from walking in the call that God set before us. Amen. And so if you look at all these people, though, they're Old Testament. So their concept of joy was that emotional thing Mark talked about, right? And so what Mark was basically saying was what we often call happiness is kind of this fleeting feeling. I'm happy because I have money in my bank account, and tomorrow I'm sad because there was no money in my bank account, Um, right? (laughs) And so, like, it's a very fleeting feeling, but joy is something that lasts. And so we see a hole in the way these Old Testament people view joy, which is a beautiful verse if you're Old Testament. But if you're New Testament, the Bible says your joy is now. You don't have to wait till the morning any longer. Right? Because if happiness is an emotion, then joy isn't. Joy is a consistency. So just because there's no happiness in the night doesn't mean that you're not still joyful through the whole process. And we're going to have some fun in the Bible. It's going to be an adventure. But as long as we know what we're talking about, we're diving in. We're going to see what Paul says about joy. And I think we're going to take about four viewpoints out of the section of Scripture we're going to read and really break down how to stay joyful, what joy in the Lord looks like. And let's face it, for many of us, the reason why we have a hard time being joyful is because of one word. It's an F word. That's bad. It's focus. I focus on the wrong things. Anyway, let's go to Philippians chapter something. That's why I have the big Bible. Chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 4 all the way to verse 8. It's going to be an adventure. Um, and if you haven't read your Bible today, you're welcome. And by verse 8, I mean verse 9. I lied to all of you. Okay, perfect. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Can you look to your neighbor and just say Rejoice. I don't like talking to my neighbor, though, but it's joy. We're going to talk about joy today. Look to the other neighbor, your less favorite neighbor, and just tell them to rejoice. Like, you know, the neighbor that's not as cute, You know them. I'm going to look them in the eyes and tell them, hey, you need to rejoice. Do that. I'm really excited because some of y'all, the couplings I see, oh, I'm so excited for it. Uh, (laughs) Rejoice. Again, I say, oh, we got to say it again now. Uh-oh, look to your neighbor, the least favorite neighbor, and say rejoice. That's always so awkward when I do that to people because they're, like, looking at you like, you are my least favorite neighbor. Um, yeah. It was my wife. Oh, yeah, you knew it. You always suspected. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, rejoice is the action of joy. Right? Because no matter how bad your situation is, there's always something to rejoice over. My bank account may not say zero, it says negative, which means technically I can't afford a free sample. If we're being technical here, because it's free, which is zero, and I have negative 10, so I can't actually afford the sample, Um, (laughs) which is, I've been there, done that, currently living it, Um, but the God is good, not 10 though, it's like more. I'm just kidding, Uh, I'm just kidding, we're not negative. But regardless of what the bank account says and what the doctor is saying, right, there's still, but there's promises. But there's God. But there's a cross. And the cross isn't even a promise, the cross is an answer. And so no matter what's going on in my life, there actually is a consistent answer that's unwavering. And if nothing else you can rejoice over, you can rejoice over that. Let your reasonableness, you know, fun fact that's actually uh, reasonableness translates best to gentleness. So we'll probably revisit this verse in a few weeks because gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. Um, Be known to everyone. Y'all say the Lord is at hand. Is at hand. I hope y'all are taking notes. The Lord is at hand. He's coming. Oh, uh, fun fact. If you take notes, they're actually checking those in heaven. Um, so the better your notes are, the closer seat you get up front. So... I got a thumbs down on that joke. I'm going to say it again next week. Um, and I'll say it's how you laugh or pretend to laugh. I don't care which. Um, do n- <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, do not be anxious because like normally it's Sidiqua, Like, well, Pat, like yelling me down, but she's at a wedding right now. How selfish, right? Um, not here shouting me down. What is she doing? Um, being joyful. Do not be anxious about anything. Y'all, anxiousness is anxiety. Anxiety is a lack of hope. And here's why. If hope is, here's what I believe will happen in the future positively, then anxiety is, here's the negative thing I believe is going to happen in the future. Hope is that check's going to click. But in everything, but in some things, but in everything. So what should I pray about? My God, it's easy. Like, I don't know what to pray for. Literally pray about anything. You're not wrong. I feel like this prayer is so small, God doesn't care. Well, he said, pray about everything. Just take him literally. And then later, if he says, hey, stop talking about that, my bad. I took you literal. Uh, and everything by prayer and supplication, prayer is talking to God, is a personal thing. Prayer doesn't change God's mind. Prayer aligns my heart with his. Supplication, though, is taking the word of God and crying it out over others right? So prayer is my thing with God and some personal stuff. Supplication is, but God, they need it too. And let's not forget, there's a verse in the Bible where he's talking about Israel and he is God. And God says, they sinned for they did not, supp- They there was no supplication for one another. All right. No one wants to talk about that sin. With Thanksgiving, y'all, can someone just give me a shout? We're talking about joy and some of y'all look like you're at the funeral currently. Um, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. But God already knows. Yeah, it's about you talking. My wife and I have a a consistent... Here's what it is. Ready? Babe, how was your day? This isn't me. This is her. Because she's like, her love language is, let's just talk about it. And my love language is, I want to play a video game or watch TV or read a book. (laughs) I don't know which love language that is. Like they say there's like five, but what about the one leave me alone for a while? You know like that should be there because like that's that's how I'm built. This is like give me an hour. I'm gonna come back. Right? But the, and, and so she'll say, "How is your day?" And by the way, I mean if we just look at the Bible and just be honest with ourselves, she's right to say that and I'm wrong to be like eh. right? And, and I say, "Oh, you know, same old, same old or same as always." And she says, "Well, Just tell me about it. And I say, no. (laughs) I want to read a book or just have silence. I was watching Parks and Recreation and and Ron Swanson, I don't know if you guys ever watched that show, and the guy is talking about a a children's TV show called Doc McStuffins. And he's like, he has kids now, and the guy was all about quiet, and he says, there is no silence there was only Doc McStuffins. And like I felt that like on a spiritual level when he said that. I was like, oh, my God, there's only Doc McStuffins. And I have a child on the way. And I'm like, I assume only Elmo in the background at all times. And I'm not made that way. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyway, I'm just like needing to get some therapy. So thank you all for listening. Situation going, same old, same as always. You already know. Let's stop talking about it. And then God, like my wife, is, but let's talk about it. The other day, a friend of mine called me and just threw up his issues on me, which is good. It's beautiful. I do it all the time. And by the end of the situation, I said, dude, I don't even really know what to say. And he says, ready? This is profound. I feel so much better just by having talked about it. You ever done that? Once you rant, you're like, wow, I'm good. Sometimes your answer is just you got to throw up on God. And you're like, you already know what's going on. Yeah, but talk about it. Because sometimes when you just get on the floor and cry because your day sucked, you get up and go, it's not that bad. (laughs) And I was like, how did I get it? It's not bad. We're good. I just had to cry it out. Right? And so it's prayer and supplication and just letting your requests be made known to God. There is such a joy and a peace that comes from that. And how do I know that? Because the peace of God, see, the peace of God. If we defined peace, because that's next week, because I feel like peace and joy should have been flipped, and that we should have talked about peace first, and then joy, but Paul didn't put it that way, so we're just going to roll with what Paul said. Um, The peace of God, the unity with God, the, the, the lack of disconnect, because we were at war, we were distant. The Bible says we were sons and children of wrath, closeness with God that surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. It's a really popular prayer we say in church. Just guard their heart, Lord. The Bible says God will guard your heart if you talk about it. I think one of my main go-to verses when people are having like that mental struggle is I say, well, but the Bible promises a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I didn't realize till this study I've been taking that verse out of context the whole time. Because the context isn't you just get peace. The context is when you draw near to God, peace is there. What's the famous Psalm, draw near to me, for I have drawn near to you? That's peace. But we're talking about joy, so let's keep moving. Um, finally, brothers, whatever is true. Oh, remember when I said the one word's in F word and it's focus? What I talk about it. Uh, finally, brothers, whatever is true, focus on it. Whatever is honorable, focus on it. Whatever is just, focus on it. Whatever is pure, focus on it. Whatever is lovely, focus on it. Whatever is, com- I'm going to stop doing that. Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. The biblical definition of meditation is not to empty. The ohms and the ahs and finding your center and finding your peace, that is a man-made internal something. But if the Bible says that God is our peace, then, then when, I'm, when I am meditating, my goal is not to empty. It is to fill with something superior to what's already on the inside. Amen. What you have heard, what you have learned and received. Now, see, here's a sneaky verse where Paul is also saying and community, right? What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Some of us don't have joy because we don't do as our role models do. We want that life, but we won't live the lifestyle that leads to it. And Paul is saying, you've seen these things in me, and we're going to talk about that real big soon because what they've seen is a big deal. Um, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I know this may look like I'm preaching mostly about peace, but the point is Paul is telling them to have joy because of God's presence. So because of your peace, you have joy. And that's why I said I feel like I'm preaching these sermons out of order because joy is a response to peace. Because I'm right with God, I can be in joy that never ends and that never fails. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord in heaven, I thank you for every person in this room. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for that. The next 20 minutes and 53 seconds, Father God, we're going to have a party. We're going to talk about you and your goodness. God, there's going to be joy. There's going to be laughing. God, we don't got to wait till tomorrow because you're with us now, Father God. I praise you. I believe in you and all God's people said. All right, all God's people said. Amen. One more time for the people in the back. Brittany, give me a shout. That's the goal. That's why we keep her around. Miss Sadiq give, oh. I'm telling you, it's weird because her husband's so quiet during service. He's like. Amen. And he comes up to me and like, gives me like a, a bucket list. Bucket list is wrong. A long list of things of like this is all the awesome stuff I got. And I'm like, wow, because your face and your body language that whole time told me you weren't listening at all. So I don't know how you got all those nuggets, but amen, God is good. But her wife is like, yeah, Pastor go. And I'm just like, I miss you so much. What? Her wife? Yeah. That's a different sermon. Um, I'm just kidding. All right. So <laughs> uh, you should just let it keep going. That's how we could have done this. Like we talk back, but let's like talk back. Um, so joy is awesome. And many of us do not have it. Right? And so I want to hit something really quick, and, and what I do believe, I believe part of the reason why we don't walk in joy like we should is because there's bad theology out on it. Just because it's a catchy slogan doesn't mean it's what God was saying, right? We believe certain things, and, and we talk about, like I said, certain verses. We kind of take out of context, like I talked about, like, oh, joy is going to come. And, and so because we look at Old Testament people's understanding of joy and try to apply it, To the fact when they were talking about a joy that was coming, they were actually talking about their Messiah, who's here. And then he left and filled us with his spirit. So now it's it's here, right? And we're not waiting for some far-off picture of we finally get joy. We have a promise just burning within us of I will keep you joyful regardless of the circumstance. And so uh, kind of with that thought in mind, I want to look at an Old Testament definition of joy. Um, And it's a very good one, by the way, one that we should take and we should apply it to Jesus and see it correctly now. And we're going to go to Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. Our very beautiful, awesome, but emotional David is on an up right now. And so he's telling us about some good times, which, by the way, I can't say that enough. I so feel this like everyone says, oh, I'm a David. But when, when it's like the up and down of emotions, I'm like, man, same, <laughs> you know, like I, I swear like one day I wake up and I can take the world and like halfway through the day, I'm just like, I suck. Like, and, and it's like, I want to break that cycle, but it gets so alive in me. So when David's like, God, like he'll have Psalms where he's depressed and by the end he's excited. And I'm just like, that was like five verses. That was like a paragraph, and you're back, you know? And, like, I feel that. I'm like, yeah, no, everything's terrible, but God is good, but I'm happy. Awesome. Life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. So the Bible would define joy as the presence of God. Where is God now? In us. So no matter where I go, no matter what I do, and no matter who I do it to, God is still with me. And I can still walk in the fullness. Not a partial aspect, not a I'm depressed, but I get that I got to be right. But an actual fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Right? And so, and so what, is, what is David talking about? He's talking about getting in the presence of God. And knowing that when God is blessing me, it's all good. Have you read the book of Judges? And they go through, what is it, 17 up and down cycles in the book of Judges? of God is blessing us, so we're doing good. Then we sinned, and now we're doing bad. But God blessed us, so we're doing good, but now we're sinning, so we're doing bad. And now God's blessing us, so we're doing good, but now we're sinning, and so we're doing bad. I won't do it 17 times, but I could, because they did. If you read the book of, literally, the main theme of the book of Judges is cycles. Getting stuck in a cycle. And so the Old Testament understanding of God is once we're good, and we're sacrificing, and we're living right, and we're keeping the law, we're blessed, and we have joy. But once we sin and God pulls his hand off of us, and now he brings attacks, and now the Philistines are coming on us, and now we're in captivity, and now we're getting separated, and our wives are getting taken, hide your kids, hide your, that whole thing is like actually their real life. And they're like, they're living that, and so now we don't have joy. And David's talking about that, but that can, I feel that. When I read that and I go, man, me too, because if I get up and I pray and I read my Bible and I go to work and I didn't really get at work and my boss is like, you did awesome, and I come home, I'm so joyful. But if I skip my prayer and then I compromise in a way maybe I wish I didn't and maybe I didn't pray for the person feel joy anymore, I feel like God's mad at me and I avoid his presence. That's an Old Testament lawful understanding of God. But Christ fulfilled the law. He did that part for us. Have you seen the cross? It's paid in full. So they had to go through these cycles because they had to pay for their sins. We don't, the cycle's dead. The Bible in Psalm one talks about trees, evergreen trees that are planted along the river and their leaves never wilt. It's always summer, they're always green, they always bear fruit. That's a picture of the New Testament church I'm always green. I always bear fruit. I always have what God, remember when Jesus walks up to the tree, the fig tree, and he puts his hand up and there's no fig, so he curses the tree and it dies. And then the Bible points out to you, that tree was not in season. And so God cursed a tree for not bearing fruit in season. Because it's actually a sin to not bear fruit in the presence of God. Right? Right? And so the Bible fills us with the Holy Spirit and says you will grow fruit, right? And so you're going to have joy on you, not because you worked for joy, but because you're in the presence of God. And the tree that you are is going to bear fruit. See, Psalm 1, there's a picture of Israel. You're in the presence of your Messiah, but you're not bearing fruit. So Israel, you're going down in exchange for what? Go to Galatians so the church could be planted. And that we, though we get pruned, we always bear fruit. Amen? Amen. That was not in my notes. Romans 15, 13 is a New Testament understanding of peace. Where are we at on time? I might not get to go over my points if we're going to keep. When do I keep time? Um, may the God of hope. Hope. The hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You'll find in the Bible, joy and peace are just like always together. God bless you, by the way. Um, so if we talk about anxiety looking away from God and looking to the issues of the future. And we see that joy is looking away from the issues to look at God because that's what hope is, and hope comes from joy and peace. So basically, if you have a hope struggle, it's either I don't fully understand how close to God I really am or I don't appreciate how close to God I really am. And sometimes all appreciation takes is look back. Just focus. I know people in their houses that play worship music because they believe having the songs of Christ and songs that worship God playing 24 seven, they believe that sets an atmosphere in their home. I would say that's correct. Would you agree? Having an atmosphere set for God through the music that's being played creates joy in the house. So then does that mean that when I watch porn that I just set a different atmosphere in my house? Or when I watched that movie that, man, I knew I shouldn't have. Or maybe I listened to that music that I knew I shouldn't have. Because let's face it, some of y'all may not get it, but I came from a world where music was everything. And so if I listen to certain bands, I'm back immediately. I'm back to old me, old issues, old struggles. So I can't personally partake in this season of my life. Right? And because for me, it sets an atmosphere that destroys me. It leads to instant depression. It leads to instant struggles. And let's face it, instant desires. Right? Because setting an atmosphere is a big deal. And so if the same thing goes with the atmosphere around us, the same thing's going to go with the atmosphere within us. And so what are you thinking on all day? Focus on God. Do some real meditation. Amen? That was my last point. Let's do the other three. (laughs) I went super out of order. I'm just going here. I I feel good. But... So the, the book of Philippians, right, Paul says to them, what you've seen in me, do. Do you know when the? Church? I have no idea. Well, I didn't know until recently either, and recently is like three days ago, so come on this adventure with me. Um, so the church of Philippians, Philippi, Philippi I'm going to call the church of Philippians, just so you know, So we're just going to have to together just live with this. Um, so the church of Philippians, um, Paul goes to a city. And he meets a lady. And she's selling silk or cloths that are purple. Finally, he knows where I'm going with this. Right? And so he talks to her. And then a little demon girl. I'm not even like saying like, oh, she's a demon. I'm saying like actually possessed by a demon. Runs up and starts being really annoying. Now Paul, who's supposed to be, supposed? Sermon's done. We're we're done. I'm out. Uh, No, so we're supposed. uh, So we're supposed supposed, I'm just going to own it. Uh, so you're supposed to be really joyful in this moment. And Paul gets mad. And if you look at the with the situation unfolded, it wasn't like, oh, man, Paul had a righteous anger. No, Paul was mad and he sinned. I'll help you out here with people who get, some people get really hurt when I say Paul sinned. He is not the fourth member of the Trinity. He is allowed to sin. Paul actually was a sinful man, just like the rest of us. He's allowed to do a bad thing here and there, right? There's a Bible verse where Jesus gets slapped in the face, and it says he remains silent. And there's a Bible verse where Paul gets slapped in the face, and it says Paul cursed the man. And the guy says, Paul, you just cursed the high priest. And he goes, my bad, I didn't mean to sin before you guys, because no one lives up to the standard of Jesus. Is in the Bible, Um, right? And so he gets mad and casts out this demon woman, and now the church that was about to be planted gets thrown into haywire, right? So the guards come. They take him, and poor little Silas is just chilling with Paul. Yeah, I'm with the apostle. I'm going to be so anointed someday, and then now he's in jail too. That's what you get. Uh, (laughs) Careful who you you let mentor you, right? Um, And so now Paul and Silas are in jail, and they begin to worship. And when they're worshiping, guys, they're in jail. Guys, they're hanging on the stocks. Maybe not hanging around the throat. I'm getting choked, right? So Paul's like chained up with Silas, and they're probably. It probably smells bad. Let's face it. Uh, sanitation wasn't that good anyway. How long has it been since I bathed? Now I'm probably hungry. Odds are I've been beat. My wrists are chafed. You know, it's just uncomfortable. And, and they begin to worship. They don't complain. They don't cry out angrily. What I believe is they had good perspective. They looked at the people around them and saw they needed Jesus. And I can get mad right now and complain with the rest of them, or I can be holy, which means to be set apart like, my Christ is holy, because Peter says, be holy as God is holy, or I can be holy right now and set myself apart from this and begin to worship instead, right, and the gates open up, and the, the guy gets baptized, and his whole family gets baptized, and then suddenly, there's a church of Philippi, and so when Paul is saying, rejoice, and be as you've seen me, when Paul says rejoice, again, I say rejoice, he's not speaking as someone, some random dude saying, hey, you need to be happy, he's like, remember when I was getting persecuted, like, you were getting persecuted and remember when I worshipped when maybe you guys aren't worshipping remember I saw a breakthrough that you guys didn't see because I had joy that you won't walk in and so he's saying rejoice again I say rejoice because it's what I did when I was with you in your midst you have an example walk in it and, and so a big thing with this is praise and rejoice the Lord regardless of the circumstance And I want to give you a little quote. You can write this one down, right? It's super charismatic. Get ready. Nobody can take joy from you unless they gave it to you in the first place. The reason why when your bank account is bad, you get unjoyful is because you held peace and joy in where your bank account was. You remember when the disciples are like, oh, my God, Jesus, this is so awesome. Demons are cast out before us, and they're subject to us. And what does Jesus say? Do not find joy in the fact that demons are subjected to you. Find joy in the fact that your name is written in the book of life. Sing out a demon, and the demon didn't listen. And Jesus had to come save them. And so those who took the lesson and said, you're right, that's not a big deal. They're happy Still. Because they took their joy out of that moment. And those who didn't receive that warning are mad all over again. Why didn't the demon get cast out? Am I not as anointed anymore? Am I struggling now? Is God far from me? I'm not close to you. Because just because a situation worked one way before doesn't mean it's going to work the same way again. And if situations are fleeting but God isn't, you're only going to have joy if you hook to the thing that's unchanging. The same God that let Paul worship and open up a jail cell. Do you know what Paul's sitting right now when he's writing the book of Philippians? He's sitting in jail. And this time the jail cell didn't open. But I'm still rejoicing because the same God that opened the jail cell is the same God that's keeping me here now. And if he sustained me then, he's going to sustain me now. And my joy is unchanging because through this situation, God didn't change, even if my situation did. Amen? And that's a real good thing to preach until it's your bank account, until it's your job, until it's your family, until it's your livelihood, until it's your dream. And then I can't be joyful anymore. But I want to encourage you, there's a better way. In the face of that issue, look it right in the eyes and worship God. Something I say a lot around here. Some of us are getting real good at telling God how big our problems are. But we got to get better at telling our problems how big our God is. It's a perspective shift, and it's something we have to walk in. Amen? Where are we at on time? Are we done? Oh, that's black. That's never good. I got four minutes for two points. It's about to go down. It's not. Um, All right. So two more points I really want to take. If we go to verse five in our little Philippians thing that we were reading, Philippians chapter four, verse five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Here's what Paul's doing right now. He's telling them to rejoice, and he's reminding them of their call. For The Lord is at hand the reminder of the Lord coming and the reminder of living out their testimony and living out their call It's got two flips here thing one. He's telling them find joy in your testimony right And here's what I mean. I, I I'll use my testimony as an example. I was on drugs. I was sleeping around I had commitment issues. I Was drinking every chance I got just trying to forget I had certain issues in my past that I couldn't overcome. I've said it before, I said it last week or maybe the week before, there was a kid that I really got hooked onto drugs who died and I spent a long time coming to God And thinking, I don't deserve eternal peace and security because of what I did to that person, right? And so I was very distant and far away from God. When I look back at my life, he picked me up and dusted me off. And I'm standing here right now. And if I'm standing here now, I'll stand somewhere greater later. I'm not saying greater in numbers necessarily. I'm saying greater later because that's where God's taking me. My testimony gives me joy for my future. But my call also gives me joy for my future. What are you called to do? Don't take your eyes off of it. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. What has God called you to do? Because he could come any day. So who cares where my bank account is? This guy up the street needs to hear about Jesus. Right. And so what some people don't realize is some of the biggest breakthrough and the biggest mentored someone or if you have ever loved on someone or if you ever encouraged someone and you watch them fall to their face and cry before the Lord. But something in you breaks that never heals again because you go, oh, my God, God, you're so real. God, you're so just. God, you're so loving. You heard my prayers, not on my behalf, but for them. And you were there and you loved them. And, and, And there's a joy that comes from that that can be found nowhere else. And some of us maybe don't understand it because we've never taken the time to mentor someone. There's a joy in that. There's a joy in reaching out. But I'm new to church and I don't really know people, but I barely know Jesus. Fine, then don't mentor a Christian. Go find a non safe person because you got one leg on them. I know Jesus and tell them about Jesus. There is a joy when they say yes. And if your testimony is lined up right where you know God is good, then you won't get beat down if they say no. Amen? My testimony encourages my call. And by the way, the more I walk in my call, the more testimonies I make. It's a cycle. I wish Jesus would have talked about us going from glory to glory and joy to joy because that would have been a really good verse to quote. Oh, he did? I don't have the verse, though. But he did say that, right? And so there is certain things that happen in the way we live our lives before God, that if we do it, it leads to this, will leads to this, will leads to this, and we get stuck in a cycle of awesome, right? I'm sure many of us here have been stuck in a cycle of sin. I get up, I watch this video, I go to God, I say, I shouldn't have done that, I won't do it again tomorrow, and then I go and do my work, and I come home, I go to sleep, and I wake up. First thing I do, turn that video on. No, I should have prayed, but I didn't, right? And this is my cycle from like a few years ago, right? And so I get stuck in that cycle, and it's a cycle of sin. But there are also cycles of righteousness. And this is one of them. My testimony propels me to a calling, which gives me more testimony that gives me a calling, which gives me more testimony, which lets me encourage for my calling. And no one woke up one day and their answer was to change the nation. What happened was they did a little bit in their neighborhood, which led to a little bit in their community, which led to a little bit in their city, which led to a little bit in their state, which was a cycle that he couldn't fall out of. A cycle of righteousness that led to joy. And so Paul's encouraging them. My last point, I guess this is a really good thing to end on. Uh, Let's go to verses 6 and 7. Aaron, make me sound holy. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let's go one more verse. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. David overcame his anxieties by being honest about his anxieties. How do we know about the sin of Bathsheba? Because he talked about it. And I think one of the most beautiful Psalms ever written, Psalm 51, which is David repenting before God and telling God every little dumb thing he did. And it was in direct response to Bathsheba, the Bathsheba situation. He stole another man's wife, probably raped her. You don't say no to a king. Killed her husband took her as his and that baby died and he overcame that in Psalm 51 and he prayed it's a really popular song in the early 2000's it's probably a bad time to make a joke but it's called oops I did it again that's my prayer life sometimes it just is and, and I go to God Again, with the same issue I went to him yesterday with. And the enemy tries to lie to you and say, you know what? You've said this too much. Now you just need to change. No, I'm going to guard my heart. But I fell back into sin. I don't feel so guarded. But Jesus said sometimes you got to knock and knock again. Do you not feel guarded from that sin? Then you haven't prayed about it enough yet. The answer to our issues is focus. Focusing on God. Meditating on his word praying to him having a personal relationship there is a popular phrase you know i hate it so much it is this isn't a religion it's a relationship james chapter one says it's a religion but that's just the bible right uh, but it's a religion and a relationship right the religion is love your god with all your heart soul mind body and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and i'm empowered to do it through the relationship with the one who did it first amen that relationship comes with focus just like with my wife I don't get to just tell her no I don't want to talk about this right now because what that creates is a distance between us and there's never been one time where she's come to me and said I'm sorry for asking about your day but if I can be honest about my struggles about a thousand times I've walked up and said I'm sorry I got mad about that I shouldn't have go to God again let him hear you out again because he'll be there He will draw near to you. It's a promise of his word. And I know I just jumped a little out of order, but if we go to Jeremiah 15, 16. Bring your struggles to God. But your words were found, and I ate them. This is Jeremiah. Remember, Jeremiah cursed the day of his birth. Here's how he found breakthrough. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I was called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. He found breakthrough in his calling, but he found breakthrough in his calling because he was first honest about his feelings. God, I curse the day of my birth. We called Jeremiah the weeping prophet. I don't deserve this. I can't be this. I'm too young. No one's going to listen. I don't deserve to do what I'm doing. Ask someone else. They're going to be better off than me. And he cried and he took it to God and at some point he looked up and he realized through all this crying and all this weeping, you kept giving me your love and your word. And as I ate of that, I found joy in my calling. I doubt my calling every day. But I don't stop talking about it. <laughs> and when the moment comes where I have to step up and do it, I, I genuinely feel before God I haven't faltered yet. But it, I believe it's through that honesty. It's through being real with God. And, and he's not surprised that I'm a sinful man. It's not like, God, I, I, I'm struggling today with this issue. And he's like, oh, when? this changes everything. Well, I got to take back your call that I planned from the beginning of time because I didn't realize that you would doubt yourself in a moment. Not God, not the gospel, not the Bible. That's some of that Old Testament joy. Let's take the new one. Jesus called it a new wineskin for a reason. And he says that old thinking can't be in this new lifestyle. Think about that. That old way of coming to God can't be in this new way of coming to God because you'll shrink away from your salvation every chance you get. And that's why there's so much theology out there. Oh, be careful, guys. You can lose your salvation. I quoted this on Facebook the other day because it rocked my world. If your, if your acts cannot save you, if your actions cannot save you, THEN YOUR ACTIONS CAN'T UNSAVE YOU. UNLESS YOU BELIEVE IT'S ACTS AND ACTIONS THAT SAVED YOU, WHICH YOU GOT TO GO TO JAMES AND GO, JAMES, YOU DON'T KNOW WHAT YOU'RE TALKING ABOUT. SEE, JAMES, THAT GUY, HE SAYS THERE'S RELIGION. Um, we, WE DON'T LIKE JAMES, uh, BUT NO, uh, ACTUALLY, um, WHEN THE PROTESTANT REFORMATION WAS HAPPENING, THEY TRIED TO TAKE THE BOOK OF JAMES OUT OF THE BIBLE. THIS BOOK, I RECOGNIZE IT WAS WRITTEN BY GOD. Honest. And God moved on his life. Rejoice. Even in what little things you have to rejoice about, because to those who have, more will be given. That's out of context, who cares, it's the same principle. Rejoice. Your kids may be acting crazy. You may have gotten a bad diagnosis. You may be stuck in that cycle. You just can't stop. You yelled at your wife again. Never me, though. Um, I'm an emotional expander. Um, But rejoice anyway, because at the very least you have the cross. But odds are, here in America, you have a couple more things. Remember your testimony and your call, meditate on them. How many times has God paid that bill before? Why is this month an exception? And by the way, last month when you were in it, this month was the exception. But He answered anyway. And you're in this month being like, no way it's going to happen. Remember your testimony. And remember your call. Look, just because your call wasn't made in a day doesn't mean you're not already called today. I'm working towards something but it's already been promised to me. I have a call, and my testimony reminds me God's going to be faithful to that. But you know what you need if you're going to look at your call? Hope, which comes from a joyful expectation. Pray and bring your struggles to God, and bring other people's struggles too. Some of y'all, you don't feel like God moves in your prayer because you've talked about you for two hours, and it's just time to talk about something else. Amen? And hey, I can talk about me to God for like six hours. Five billion people just in this city, right? I'm exaggerating. That's not the numbers. Uh, and you have nothing else to pray about? And I know it's easy to slip into a habit like that, but pray and intercede, and God will guard your heart. And lastly, as we talked about, focus on the things of God. I want to read that verse one more time, and then I'm going to pray out. Um, verses eight and nine from our Philippians chapter four. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be in you. First point, Look to God. Second point, surround yourself with people that live the way you want to live and look to them too. If you show me your five best friends, I'll show you where you will be in five years. The things you intake, you inevitably become. And we all say that, we all believe it, we all think it's true, and then we go back to our same friends that are going nowhere and we're going fast with them. You want to be a pastor? There's a few here. Get surrounded by them. Do you feel called to start a business? There's like five people in here starting their own businesses. Circle up. Do you believe in worship and singing and music? He's right behind me. Go make a new friend. And let that relationship change your life through the power of God. Because when Elijah said he wanted to quit and he said, God, kill me now, What did God say? He's like, fine, I will. Just go anoint someone else. And he kept him alive for a ton more years, right? So Elijah found breakthrough in mentoring. It wasn't even the presence of God. It was seeing God work on another young man that gave him breakthrough. Comparison is only a bad thing if if it makes you view yourself as less. Comparison is a great thing if it makes you want to be better. Amen. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray for joy. God, the Bible says that your joy is our peace. Your joy is our strength, Father God. And I pray that we would be strong, that we want to quit when we feel that our endurance is waning, Father God, that we would instead find joy in you, God. I pray these words would be real, Father God, in our lives, that it wouldn't be a message we hear and then go home and continue our cycles, Father God, that I pray today would be the breaking of old cycles and the beginning of new, fresh, and holy cycles, Father God. I pray this over the people here, God. Self-control, God, I pray peace, I pray joy, and I pray that we would love, God, and enjoy. Jesus' mighty name I say, amen.